0: Hey all, you bitches! Welcome to Respawning Fire, the Kickass Reverend Gaming Podcast brought to you by Apple Idiots. We're here with a special barf episode, bitch! We're talking about Axiom Verge. How long can I continue to do this through my teeth? Well, As long as I see Adam still smiling about it i'm your host chad michael bitchiness we've got our other adam stopped smiling so now i gotta talk regularly we've got our regular co-host here adam not a bitch gumbert how are you adam
1: i'm doing very well i don't know why twitter wants to give me a hundred bluetooth ads a day but here we are a hundred bluetooth bluetooth it's a ed bluetooth pill it's like over the counter ed pill you have to do it online but all the ads are like very weird where it's like this is clearly someone who's never acted before it's like hey let's go in the back room you got the blue chew and then she comes out with a walker and i'm like what Mm. what is this what is this this is like excess television level quality for a boner pill
0: you know what it is you In IRL, you just bone so hard that they want Mm -hmm. you to be associated with their pill just one time so they could say, Adam bones hard and he also took our pill once.
1: Yep.
2: Whenever he crippled that lady, it was because of Blue (laughs) Joe. That's what they want. Adam bones hard Gumbert that's me that's my little name we've
0: got our returning guest brian doesn't doesn't bone bridges i don't know that's his business not mine manly brian i don't know your last name brian do i know your last name time to die podcast rolls. <laughs> <laughs> what is it what is your last name
2: bridges like all that, the actors is that real yeah brian bridges yeah
0: Ryan Bridges, Bridges, <laughs> <laughs> Bri- <laughs> Bri- Brian, our returning Alex, uh, may or may not have bridges in Canada. I don't know. Cosina, how are you,
2: Alex? Oh, Chad! Hey,
3: everybody! <laughs> Once again, I'm taking a stand here at my newly minted standing desk, and I am very excited to talk about these two <laughs> very interesting Metroidvania games. Very interesting.
0: You, you leaned the...
3: I didn't expect to, to break check
0: You leaned on the microphone to do whatever you were going to do, and Adam, <laughs> Adam popped his can of soda at the same time, and I thought that you made that with your mouth, and I was <laughs> so taken aback. <about> <laughs> You're like, holy shit, how did he do that? <laughs> that was incredible. We're here today to talk about Axiom Verge. Why are we talking about this game? Because you all asked us to over on patreon.com slash respawn aimfire and twitter.com slash respawn aimfire, where we put up a monthly poll called Barf. Backlog accomplishment with Respawn and Friends. And we ask you which of these four games you want us to play and talk about and have fun with and Google fun things about. So you chose Axiom Verge and that's what we played this month uh, in our normal uh, routine of things. I'm going to tell you some things from the Wikipedia page about it and then we'll just kind of go around and give impressions, etc., etc. Alex Popcan Mouth <laughs> uh, My brain I, broke for a second.
2: I, uh, I didn't get to, I, you asked me my last name and I actually didn't get to say a catchphrase when you introduced me. Can oh, we just sorry. do that real quick?
0: I'm, we're going to rewind. Brian m- m- might be a bitch. Or, no, we talked about bones. Bones, bitches, or maybe buses, but I don't know, it's personal business. Bridges.
2: Mm, my tiny nipples. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. okay. Right, you guys. can't steal my shit and make it your catchphrase. <laughs> I wasn't recording audio when I said that earlier, so I can't prove in a court of law That that belongs to me. And now the world thinks it's yours. I'll let you have it.
2: I'll let you have it. (laughs) (laughs) it.
0: (laughs) Axiom Verge is a Metroidvania video game by American indie developer Thomas Happ. With two P's. He prefers you say Happ. The game was originally released in March 2015.
3: While I was writing down my notes, I definitely had a few incidents in which I accidentally put a Y at the end. So Thomas Happy and I had to continuously correct myself. No, no, no not <laughs> that's happy. That's not his happy. name, Alex. I know, and that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that I corrected myself. I caught myself in the act and self-reported. Caught in 4K. Uh, released in March
0: 2015 in North America and April 2015 in Europe. Came out on PS4, and then it's like, guess what, we're also coming out on PCs for nerds and even Linux PCs for more nerdier nerds. And then it's like, guess what else? PlayStation Vita's coming around the corner. And then, ooh, Wii U and Xbox One. And then, yay, Switch. And then it's like, basically everything else has it now. But we all know the, the superior platform is PlayStation Vita. Vita. Um, <clears throat> it is. A, what do you have a pencil for? You can't play with a pencil unless you draw it frame by frame every single place you want to go. And that's kind of cool. I want you to do a stop-motion comic strip of Axiom version your playthrough through, through
2: it. Maybe he, on it. Maybe he didn't use the map. He went old school.
0: Mm, yeah, grid paper, baby. Okay, it's graph paper.
2: Purist. Yeah.
0: Uh, the game is a Metroidvania style game, has lots of little callbacks to all sorts of games, apparently like Metroid, Contra, Blastermaster, and Bionic Commando. I've only played one of those, so I can neither confirm nor deny. It is developed by a single dude. One Thomas Happ. Not happy. Um, He is a a gentleman who has worked on games like End of Nations, NFL Street, and Tiger Woods PGA Tour. And then one day, he's just like, you know what? I want to just make this game on the side as a side project. And he started it back in March of 2010. Um, It was submitted to a a Dream Build Play Challenge and then became a big old thing. People freaking loved it. And in fact, when they made a physical version of it, he was like, guess what, y'all? I'm going to break your store. People aren't going to be able to buy it because their store's broken and uh it was received pretty well got an 85 or sorry 84 on metacritic for the ps4 version when it originally released the lowest rated version oddly enough playstation vita i have some thoughts about why
3: right yeah we'll get into it yeah yeah yeah. if i can take the wheel real quick chad worth pointing out uh you know (laughs) he worked at petroglyph games for a real long time (laughs) stop Oh
0: my God. Why do you have so many pencils nearby to put into your mouth? I don't even have two pencils in my whole home.
3: Jesus. I mean, he needs those pencils so he can draw that like weird football game that we saw earlier. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, he worked at Petroglyph games, uh, which is an EA owned studio for a while. That's where he worked on like the tiger woods games and the other games you mentioned before. Uh, I did a little bit of digging myself. He also made a Metroid clone slash ROM hack called Orn for the GBA all the way back in 2004. Like, he had been, prior to getting to work on Axiom Verge, thinking about how he could make his own kind of stamp on the Metroidvania genre, had been experimenting in the past. And it was in 2010 that he finally decided, all right, this is when I finally Uh, kind of put pen to paper figuratively and kind of make one of my own. That's pretty dope.
0: And so he's been making that kind of thing. Also, everyone, I flipped Cozy's video in the middle of him talking. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. I just flipped it so he's looking not off the screen. Um, he Good call. he not only did all of that, like, experimenting and all that kind of stuff and, like, created the game, but he also, like, wrote all the lore. He wrote the music. He composed all the music himself. Like, every single piece of this game was just a one-dude thing, which is it like, just kind of blows my mind a little bit when I hear stories like the
3: that. The music part is really impressive because, like, it seems like by all accounts, like he had plenty of experience, like programming some experience in like the kind of graphical area of things back when he worked for Petroglyph. But like by his own admission, he didn't really have any experience like composing music. And yet, like he definitely knocked it out of the park on both this game and the sequel.
0: Yeah, very impressed. V impressed. At this point, I would like to um,
3: just real quick, Brian, I was holding up two fingers before because I wanted to get Chad's attention so that he could uh, like move the conversation over to me so I could just interject with my own little trivia on Thomas Happ. You don't need to hold up your fingers anymore unless you have something to say. What you did not know,
0: Alex, is that I usually have the whatever Internet browser window I have. I have it over my face because I don't need to see myself, uh-huh. and then I have everyone else. And we are set up vertically so that it was now also over your face. So I didn't even see
2: uh,
3: your
0: fingers. I'm sorry. I, I I, I that just it. shows how much in we mouths, you, And I Chad. was just so impressed.
2: I, I, I do need the attention. Oh, okay. Uh, my mother just walked in the door, and she handed, uh, me she? This th- she handed me this thing that looks like it could be in a Metroid game, oddly enough.
3: It does. Oh, those are, uh, I, I've had those before. What is it's it? It's a rascal. It's like I've had it like as like a dessert at like a Pakistani restaurant before it, it like it has like a very like white ish interior. It's like very sweet. I don't love it, but it's fine. For audio listeners, it looks like if you were to take
0: a hedgehog and like <coughs> turn it into a ball and make it a little bit smaller, something that might or might not be able to fit into your rectum.
2: <laughs> it, a it, it, it might fit in, but it won't come back out.
0: No, <laughs> no, 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 no. In fact, you'll have trouble finding out what part of your body is the rectum once it passes. I looked it Alex, up. That's I saw your a, fingers, Alex.
3: That is called a Rambutan. R A M B U T A N.
0: Rambutan, Razmatazz. Uh let's let's oh, go around excuse the table. Me. Let's go around the table, and I just want to hear a little bit about, like, how did you play the game? On what platform? Um, What is your, like, high-level, like, recommend, not recommend, yummy, no-no experience with it? Uh, I'm very disappointed, Brian, that you just have regular-ass Baja Blast this time, and not some wild, cool, exclusive flavor. Um, I know. Let's start with you, so you can explain yourself and your wrongdoings.
2: No, I have no justification for it.
0: That's what I thought. I was too
2: busy. I was too busy beating um, Axiom Verge, and then hopping into Axiom Verge two. Mm-hmm. A little bit for the first time. This is actually my second time beating Axiom Verge, uh, and both times I played it on my uh, Nintendo Switch, which is a great medium for this game. And uh, then I accidentally hopped on our stream and deleted all of my notes. <laughs> oh wow <well. laughs> wow so i'm going off memory here <laughs> excellent
0: for it. excellent do you remember whether or not you felt positive or negatively about it
2: positive definitely i'm here to simp dope okay
0: adam tell me about i, I know all about cozy's experience because we both had the same vita experience but tell me about yours adam
1: i thought i owned it on pc for free turns out i did not so i bought it on xbox Um, my first time ever playing this game, I haven't played one or two, uh, and I like it a lot. It definitely feels exactly like Metroid on the NES with a little bit of the minute that I got the grapple. I was like, Oh shit. I remember playing Bionic Commando. Hey, let's go. Um, (laughs) so I did like it. It was pretty fun. It's very light on story and direction, but as a fun, like classic throwback, I mean, it knows exactly what it wants to be. And I think it's a very good version of that. So I thoroughly enjoyed it. Weapons are fun cool setting you know i did play with a little bit of a guide at a certain point because like all right i need to figure out what i'm doing here but i think it's if he's trying to emulate metroid thomas have nailed it
0: i would agree with that too i played it on vita and we'll talk about performance issues and things like that later Uh, but generally i i liked the game it does feel like an exact fan like it feels like a fan mod of metroid of super metroid like for better or for worse, like every single part that I loved about Super Metroid, I felt like I found in this game, everything that I found frustrating about Super Metroid, I also found in this game, but also it just like takes that to a thousand, like all the, like the, here are 55,000 different types of guns that you can have for some reason, and <laughs> in, in contrast to like Metroids, I don't know, eight or nine, but uh, generally I, I enjoyed it, um, I don't know if I'll play the sequel though, Alex, tell me about your experience with it,
3: chad i'm like the angry video game nerd because i'm about to take you back to the past the year is 2012 or maybe 2013 it's the early 2010s or maybe like the mid 2010s depending on whether you ski one way or the other and i start hearing about this indie game called axiom verge which is a metroidvania inspired, very heavily reminiscent of the first Metroid Metroidvania game. I said Metroid a lot in that last sentence. <laughs> and I got to be honest, I'm not super keen about this game while it's in development. Cuz the thing is, as a Nintendo fan, you have to endure so many indie projects come into your purview and people evangelize them as like, oh my god, this indie developer is finally delivering the Zelda experience, the Metroid experience, the Pokemon experience that Nintendo refuses to make. They're making a better Metroid, a better Pokemon than Nintendo or Game Freak themselves. And I feel like it is very rare that a lot of these indie experiences actually live up to the hype going into them there are some exceptions i have a lot of love for the guacamelee games i think those games are still the gold standard for how to do a metroidvania right and also how to do a metroidvania you know pretty different from the average metroid game Um, but they're rare and so going into this game i'm a little bit skeptical of whether it can live up to the game so that it's aping. And on top of that, I'm also like, at that point in time, a little bit annoyed by the kind of people who are like, man, Axiom Verge is this generation's Metroid game that Nintendo refuses to make. And I don't really like that statement because, and I'm not trying to sound like a corporate apologist saying this, but at that point in time, I could kind of understand Nintendo's justification and not putting out another Metroid game during that point in time because this is the middle of the Wii U era, the Wii U not selling very well. Prior to that point, The Metroid games had been coming out at a fairly consistent rate, but they hadn't been selling super well. Both Metroid Prime 3 and Other M on the Wii only sold about a million units each. They weren't that great, and so I kind of got into my head of like, well, you look at the numbers game, and there's no real justification for Nintendo to put out a new Wii U Metroid game. It's going to sell so poorly. Uh, And so didn't really love that whole mentality. Never had any, you know, obviously personal beef with Thomas Happ or Happy himself. Uh, Eventually... (laughs) Eventually, all that preamble to say. Uh, many years ago, in twenty seventeen, I tried the game out on the Vita. I played about two hours into it, and I dropped off. And at the time, my issue with the game is I just found that I was, <laughs> I found that I was a little bit too, uh, how to put this? I found that I was a little bit too much of a glass cannon. I felt like enemies were just, just. <laughs> battling their way through my hit points and that I felt like I couldn't really get from one chip point to the next fast enough. Um, now in retrospect, I do wonder if perhaps on that ill-fated first playthrough of the game, I had set the difficulty to hard because that was back in the day where I was really kind of like aggressive and scheming about the way that I went after trophies. There is a trophy in this game for playing and beating the game on hard mode. Did I maybe set the video game difficulty to Mm. hard first time around and Mm. needlessly kind of put myself down a bad path? I don't know because unfortunately, the Vita uh, like saves and game data on Vita is all in one package. And so when you delete one, you delete the other. And so I wasn't able to see what my previous um, save game looked like when I booted the game up again. Uh, All that to say, Put it off. Didn't think I would ever come back to it until uh, this month's barf. Booted it up on the Vita again, and thankfully, uh, my issue of feeling too much of a glass cannon was not that much of an issue this time around. I still found it to be a challenging experience, however. Um, but I ended up writing six notes, uh, six pages, rather of notes on this game. Uh, Which would tell you that I have quite a lot to say about it. I would say overall, if you had to ask me just yay or nay, would you recommend it? I would say definitely yay. Um, But this is not the ultra premier Metroidvania experience that I was hoping it would be.
2: Would you rather eat the rotten asshole of a roadkill skunk and drown it with beer? No.
0: Are you drowning the skunk or are you, when you say drown, like drowning your misery, like chasing it with beer?
2: I don't know. You'll have to ask uh, the angry video game nerd.
0: Mm, mm, Okay. Okay. Brian, are you jealous of his six pages of notes and why do you simp this game? (laughs) Tell me a little bit.
2: I'm jealous of any notes at this (laughs) point. (laughs) It was in my Google drafts because I kept adding to it and adding to it. I opened it up on my laptop just now. There was nothing there. It was a blank page. So I thought, oh, maybe I didn't use this because I last time I used Google Drive, so that I could. So I was like, well, whatever, delete. I'll go open Google Drive. And as soon as I hit delete, I saw all my notes appear, and then the <sighs> thing vanished. And you can't recover drafts. So I was like, well, <laughs> Ooh, game over. Zero out of ten. That's all right. So uh, I I I have a few things to say. Um, I didn't find it terribly difficult, but this was my second time playing. And, you know, what's interesting. I looked at my, I compared my two games after I beat them, and I really only put in an extra hour the first time I played versus the second time. However, uh, I achieved more this time. I I explored more of the map. I got more of the items. So, I did a little better. Um, You mentioned weapons. Boy, howdy, there are a lot of weapons. And here's what's interesting about this versus uh, the Metroid games. In the Metroid games, you you get new weapons, and that lets you unlock new doors and new rooms. In this game, you get new weapons, and for the most part, it's just a strategy technique you can imply or you can uh, apply to your tactics. I found several weapons were useful for like g- hitting around corners or getting through platforms. The fire goes through the floor and will burn anything above it. Lots of weird tricky different uses for weapons that are completely optional in the game. So, as you're exploring, you could get the weapons or not get the weapons. It's totally up to you. And uh, I thought that was cool. The the only way to unlock new rooms in the style of Metroid is with powers, I think. And that, both times I played through, unlocking powers is when the game gets fun. And it's not just any powers. Specifically, it's I want to say it was the high jump and dashing through walls. And suddenly it, it, the game just opens up and you're like, okay, now I'm having fun.
0: Man, I tell you, it gets really fun when you can start shooting the drone out and then replacing yourself with the drone. Oh, I yeah, that's I found myself great. just like doing that in midair, shooting all over the place. That was That's when the game becomes, and it's when traversal becomes a lot easier and quicker too. It's like, that's I'm like pretty far into blast. the game though. Yeah, that
3: is. That's almost the end. It's, um... Did, it, sorry, go
2: ahead. I uh, didn't love the grappling. took me a while to get the hang of it, even though I've already played Same. the game. I was like, "Yeah, oh, this is not intuitive. It's Once you get grappling. it, you get it, but it's still never fun to use.
3: It's not great. The weapon selection is very satisfying. I, I particularly love the vorange, which is the weapon that shoots that, like, beam of, like, little... Like green streaks that like split Mm. apart like the roots of a tree. That was really cool. Uh, It was a little bit frustrating to like spend a crap ton of time exploring the world of Axiom Verge, finally finding a power up and realizing, oh, it's another like weapon upgrade and not something that will mechanically allow me to further like explore places of this world I haven't explored before. Um, But the actual like exploration based upgrades uh, were all really good. What I loved about them was how so many of them are based on old-school NES glitches, like, as we alluded to, the being able to walk through walls glitch, which is, like, something that was very common in a lot of NES games back in the day. Uh, Or the glitch gun. I know that it has another, like, name in-game, but the gun that allows you to glitch enemies, make them stop in place, uh, make them bigger to make them easier targets, uh, do all sorts of kind of weird effects on them. I I love all that stuff because it shows you that Thomas Happ like has a fundamental understanding of not just how old school Metroid games looked and felt to play, but also he has a fundamental understanding of like how people played them, what relationship players had with them, the the kind of culture surrounding them. You you know, there are so many retro indie game throwback games nowadays, but I feel like so few of them really engage on a deeper level with what it meant to be a retro game back in the day, kind of like this one. It's, um, Uh, to kind of like throw in a more modern reference it actually reminds me in a bit of a different way of the whole like manual mechanic in tunic uh and how like again that's another example of how like video game manuals used to be such a big component of you know retro games such a huge component of making your way through them and i I love that tunic did that there and i feel like a lot all the glitch related mechanics in this game accomplish, accomplish a very similar goal
2: when you brought up glitching it reminded me you know how in metroid if you want to discover secrets, you got a carpet bomb every room, yep. shoot missiles yeah. at every type of thing. This is, this takes that and it makes it even more so. And it's both kind of, I have a love of hate relationship with it because you've got the drill that drills through rocks. You've got, but only certain rocks. You've got the glitch gun yeah. that can turn enemies into different types of enemies, like transform, transform them into platforms or you never know. You have to try yeah. it on every enemy yeah. to see what and it's going Sometimes do. it's a
0: good thing for you. Sometimes it's a bad thing. It makes them <laughs> yeah. better or stronger.
2: And then you've got the ability to glitch through walls. And then oftentimes, um, there's a lot of... Did you ever get to those glitchy secret worlds where everything is, like, broken? I did.
1: Like, black and white or whatever? The one that I found was black and white.
2: Yeah. Oh, I uh, didn't say black and white one. But... That's an interesting take on secret levels.
3: I I mean, I, I, I like them in concept. In practice, I just found them a little bit tedious. Because, yeah. like, it is almost exclusively just, like go into room, fight enemies, go into room, fight enemies. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't play a whole lot of them, to be honest.
0: It was also, yeah, it was a cool much. concept, but it was also very difficult to look at. <laughs>
3: <laughs> that is but
2: that is true, too. Having all those different types of moves you can do to discover things, uh, the, the negative part is that you gotta try every tool on everything. So you'd be yeah. drilling a wall, then you'd be zapping a wall, then you'd be trying to glitch through a wall. Like <laughs> You just never know and uh so there were several times where I, I even on the second playthrough i'd forget things and have to look up a tutorial of just how do i get this item i'm tired of yeah. wandering around and it would be like you just use this thing that you got on this wall or enemy or whatever and i'd be like son of a bitch it's the one thing i didn't think to try yeah there's just yeah. too many combinations that's, the, that's that a, is there the are thing. so many
0: things ahead, that Chad. it's like sometimes i forget that I even have this capability because I haven't used it in so long or I haven't needed it in, in a while. And I think the, the biggest example, the first time that I had to look up a guide and then I just basically kind of loosely followed a guide the rest of the game, was I think right before you get the grapple, which is on your way to get the grapple. And there's a, you're jumping up this thing with the little things that jump out of the pink slime and shoot, and there's one thing of pink slime that you have to use the disruptor gun on to turn it into a solid platform so you can jump. And it's just like, none of yeah, the other pink I, slime I works that, that exact. Way. just that one pool of pink slime is like what the fuck yeah like, why and there's nothing indicating that it's going to behave any differently than the rest of them
1: you that's the thing try shit
3: I, I, yep. I feel like i've been hogging the conversation a lot but like this game's achilles heel is like just sort of how slavish it is at times to that like old school design philosophy of the original metroid on the nes like it really doesn't hold your hand in ways both good and bad and and moments like that like the pink slime or just like how many times i had to like scour the entire map to find the next big upgrade i think they they, they didn't you know ultimately completely push me away from this game cuz i still saw it through to the end but they definitely dampened my enjoyment of the experience a lot and i i really tried not to rely on a guide uh going through this game but at the very end as i was reaching the end of the game i ended up consulting a guide because i reached a point where i was like i'm 90 percent certain that the next upgrade i need to get to is in this like northeast section of the map," but i'm 10% 10% uncertain, and so I'm just going to look up a guide just to make sure that I'm going in the right direction, because I don't want to go there, have it be the wrong place, and then have to backtrack <laughs> through the exactly. entire map to see yeah. where I gotta go next.
2: So I gotta know, how far did you get, Gumby, before you gave up and said, I hate this game? <laughs> oh, I didn't give up. I beat it. But I it was probably, because
1: there's a really good guide online, which is basically, like, in each area, here's a picture of the map, and here's one, two, three, like, a number of yeah. to get the items in. Um, and that was probably, I got all the way through the really, um, the really big boss. I, I understand. Once you activate the, <laughs> the drone thing. they pretty big. No, the the one who's in a massive room and you like jump on the platforms that are glitched and oh, it's really okay. easy to kill. Got it. Um, it was after, no, it's after you get the split gun, whatever. It was after a boss. It was after I activated the drones. I was like, okay, cool, I'm having fun, but I'm like, I don't want to aimlessly wander around, so I found a guide at that probably the midpoint of the game to finish it out
2: that reminded me you mentioned that boss uh i i want to praise this game for being gracious enough that when you beat a boss or get a new item it saves you don't got to get to a save point you die after the boss it's okay and i was playing metroid prime 2 i was replaying it on the harder setting and I mm. spent about a month trying to beat the ice boss, killed him, went through the wrong exit, instantly died because I had no health left.
3: It <laughs> didn't get a save state. And I was like, yeah. that was the last time I've ever played Metroid Prime 2. Which is a criticism that people also had uh, more recently of the remaster of Metro Prime 1 because you couldn't auto save in that game as well.
2: Mm. Yeah. So kudos to this game for that. How do you guys feel about uh, just the, art and the aesthetic in general
0: I love the art I thought I thought the environments like looked really amazing I felt like they were like straight out of that what it was trying to emulate all of those Metroid games from from the SNES era and GBA and that kind of stuff I did feel like the environments felt a little samey just like different color palette swap versions of each other with a couple of different visual flares on them so I didn't feel mm. like i didn't feel like i was in i was going through vastly different environments all the time uh there were a couple of exceptions where like you actually go above ground and you're like oh there's sky and i can feel like there's like there are flying enemies and that kind of stuff um but in general yeah i I really enjoyed looking at it and playing it aside from those rooms where it was purposefully glitchy and looked weird as fuck but uh yeah presentation of the game a plus for me
2: i love those weird hr Geiger statue ladies yeah oh, all yeah. the tubes and everything oh so mm, yeah, good! Yeah. that's my favorite thing in the game for sure yeah i was like
1: they're definitely they're gonna pretend to be the
3: good guys these motherfuckers are the bad guys 100% they look awesome. visually it is beautiful i will say uh especially once you get towards some of the latter areas of the game the game throws at you a bunch of enemies are just like super small Like just like tiny little like bugs and gnats and stuff. And I I found not only were those enemies hard to hit, but also it was just hard to see them because it felt like they frequently blended into the environment, which I'd imagine is probably by design. Uh, But that wasn't super fun. Especially those little round
0: green grass motherfuckers towards the end. Like those were specifically meant to blend in the bushes and the grass.
2: But that's one of those yeah. things where you get a whole collection of weapons and then you find one that works on shit like that. Like, sure. yeah. you mentioned the, the like, electricity green stuff that just kind of auto-targets and stuff like that. I'd be shooting that off-screen, hoping to kill all the gnats. <laughs> it
3: <Like, laughs>
2: <laughs> seems like this game, if you get the weapons, it seems like this game always has at least one little trick that you can do to kill just about any enemy. Except for that Hornet boss. There was you no trick. You just face. had to endure. Yeah.
1: No,
0: there mm-hmm, was yeah. a hornet boss. That trick. I read this from the guy. Unfortunately. Okay. But it spits out the little hornets out of its butt, and you have to shoot it in the mouth, right? If you yeah. if you dis- not disrupt. Yeah. Well, if you if you glitch the hornets, they start flying up towards its mouth. You shoot one hornet oh, while its mouth is open. Instant kill the boss. Shit.
2: I even looked up YouTube tutorials and didn't find that trick.
0: Hmm. That's
2: tri- that's tricky.
0: Yeah, Um, loved
2: the loved the moment where you become a boss, even though it doesn't go anywhere. It's just a story, a moment.
0: Yeah, it Mm. took me like maybe halfway through that fight to realize I was controlling the boss. I was like, "What the fuck is going on?" Why? And then I was like, "Oh, it's (laughs) me." Oh, and also, it doesn't matter. I'm dead now.
3: (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, On the subject of the story, how did we all feel about it? Paid zero attention.
0: Yeah, I I I tried to pay attention a little bit, but it was just like in such. Like little and here's pieces wha- and fragments, and I found documents around the world, and I could only read like a third of them, and it was just like I, I couldn't keep up.
2: And here's a wacky thing I meant to go back and look up. In the documents, some of them are in cryptic language, and I got, uh, I I came across an item randomly that was like, here's a code for you. I put in the code in that code section, and it was like, Mm -hmm. you now have English, but it still gave me weird, so I was like, what does this even do? Some of these aren't in English, and and there's other code things that I
3: never even got, so I don't know. Yeah, there are like multiple different languages that you have to get like multiple different cheat codes for. I, I liked, like on paper, I liked that idea of like you have to get a cheat code to translate the language of these manuscripts. But I think in, in practice, it was a little bit deflating to like be searching far and wide, find this like new manuscript and then be like, Oh, I don't have the cheat code for this. I don't actually know what this says yet. This is a game. There are
0: Like there are areas where if you're looking in the environment, this kind of reminds me of the game Fez, where, like, there's this whole language that you have to decrypt and and read mm-hmm. and do this kind of shit. But, like, it, in the blocks around you, there are, like, little letters written in there that you could almost not even realize are there. And if you look at those letters in the corner of one room and you fig- like you decrypt it using something you find in the game, maybe, or something you figure out in real life, and then you put that code in that little code machine, then, boom, it unlocks a little area for you to go up and, and get an unlockable Or another one was like, if you look at all the enemies in this area and the way that they bounce and they spell out a word or something like that. I was like, what the fuck? Like, (laughs) who who figures this shit out?
2: This is a game just like with uh, Hollow Knight, where if I want to know the lore and the story, I'll hop on YouTube and watch someone explain it to me.
3: I, you know, typically when it comes to these Metroidvania games, I try to extend a bit of an olive branch to their stories because i tend to be kind of a story kind of guy i know that a lot of people like like they love and come to metroidvania experiences for the lack of story or like knowing at least that they don't need to worry about the story. And I I gotta be honest, I didn't feel like the story really reached the heights. I feel like it could have, there were definitely a few moments throughout that I thought were pretty interesting. Like there's the moment where trace is slowly losing his mind because he's succumbing to the pathogen and like the entire Uh, Like a level that he's in is getting super woozy. That was a really cool moment. And I thought the moment where he basically learns that the final boss is like an older version of himself. He confronts Elsa Nova, which is one of the giant mechanical heads about this. And Elsa Nova immediately kills him on the spot. When that moment happened, I was like, oh, shit, let's go. Like, this is where... The game story really will take a turn for the dark. All these like giant mechanical heads that have been helping you up until this point are going to be revealed to be like not on your side at all, and it, like the narrative is going to completely flip on itself. But then they just kind of they just kind of talk it out and I'm like, all right, we're good, we're chummy, not a big deal. And I'm like, oh. see,
2: it, that was great. It, Cozy Bear's my YouTube video. He just explained <laughs> all the lore to me. <laughs> now
3: I know what I did in the game. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't like. It, by no means is it a bad story, but I felt like. I felt like every character in the game was at a six when I feel like they needed to be at an 11. That's how I put it.
0: I also didn't even realize until about a third of the way through the game, I guess I was like not paying close enough attention or I like blacked out for a sentence. I didn't realize I was trace (laughs) until They kept talking about trace. I was like, Oh, is that the bad guy? Is that one of these big heads? Who is? And then I was like, Oh no, that's me. They're talking about me. (laughs) Let me talk about some shit. I hate about this fucking game.
3: Um, mostly just, oh, just no.
0: performance on the vita um the yes. um, so i played this game on ps vita and there were so, like i understand why it has the least the the lowest score uh some of the things that i found it had performance issues just it had stutters uh pretty frequently yep. for me where it would and of course in yeah. this game i didn't realize for the first couple hours is like is this the game being the game and artistically stuttering? Or is this not being able to run on the Vita and it's stuttering like like an actual issue? But I also just feel like the controls didn't map well to the Vita. There were a couple right, things like the disruptor gun. because you have to gun. use
3: the touch control to do the disruptor yeah, gun. So there,
0: are, there are like two software touchscreen buttons on the bottom that you could program to be a hotkey for certain weapons. And then there were two touch ones on the top that were, one of them is your disruptor and one of them is the bomb. And I just felt like I never, never hit those correctly. Those tap targets were so small. I never hit one correctly the first time. Like the the gun, every time I tried to use it, I was always tapping the wrong area of the screen. And I also found myself, as soon as I got the ability to teleport, like not just move through a wall, but actually teleport by double pressing, I had to stop using the analog stick because i was accidentally teleporting everywhere and i had to switch i played yep. half the game using the analog stick and then i had to switch the d-pad because i kept accidentally teleporting everywhere
2: yep because of the yep d- the especially stick. during the boss fights or whatever and you're like damn it yeah i'm still uh, go ahead. no you got it
3: i just wanted to say like i'm still really happy that i played it on vita because it looks beautiful on the vita's old screen good, yeah. i want to see that Thomas App said in an interview that in fact, like when he first conceptualized this game, like he specifically designed it with the Vita's like specific resolution in mind first, because he knew from the get go, it was going to be on the Vita. And I think it really does show, but I I agree with everything you have to say about it. It's not optimal.
2: On Nintendo switch. I also, I played with the analog stick because it was the most convenient for moving around, had the same teleport issues. Also had trouble with the grapple, on the analog when you're trying to grapple, 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 grapple across yeah. the ceiling. Mm. Uh, found d-pad easier for that. The other problem I had was the right thumbstick is the weapons wheel. Yep. And so, I would act, I'd be pressing my buttons in a frantic moment of fighting, accidentally bump the weapons wheel with my thumb and it just like mm-hmm. switch on me and like... <laughs> yep. And now that I mentioned the weapons wheel, it reminded me of something. Did you guys realize that you can hotkey two weapons? I had no idea
3: that I was turned out to be it, so it useful and it never told me i was aware of it but i never figured out how to do it, it in it,
2: the it, screenshot I,
0: on the screen right now yeah it has two weapons up in the top near your map i but discovered I, it by I, accident I and it was that that's so a useful oh uh, I, I wonder i yes. wonder if the replacement on the vita is the touchscreen buttons on the bottom that because when you're fighting a boss
2: yeah. or something oh you could, that would
3: make sense yeah you
2: could have one weapon quick switch to the other weapon and then hop between them or whatever you could actually have three technically and uh it just never told me that in the tutorials or anything i found yeah. it by accident <laughs> zero idea
1: that that was a thing that would have
0: been i nice. didn't even realize the bottom <laughs> buttons on the touchscreen of the vita were for those weapons i just accidentally kept hitting them and like if i if i moved my <laughs> left thumbstick too far to the right and my thumb just kind of touched the screen it kept telling me select a weapon first select a weapon <laughs> first I was like what the fuck are you trying to tell and and then i was like oh i wonder if those are if those are hot spots Cause it just like that's sometimes the, in the in the overlay it would have like four circles on the screen. I was like, I wonder if those are things I can program. And then yeah, it turns out you can.
2: And it, that's the kind of thing like Alex mentioned, where it'd be really useful if you had a little manual or handbook to flip through. Yeah, it tells you all those secrets.
0: Um, so well, do we have anything I, to say about Axiom Verge One? Yeah, go for it.
2: I thought uh, Axiom Verge was a wonderful uh fan service game to you know comparable to metroid i hopped into axiom verge 2 and first impressions i have oh i'm still on the first level i've only gotten a few screens and a couple items deep okay it feels almost like a fan remake of castlevania to me
0: interesting
2: Uh, i was surprised hmm Because, you know, Castlevania, it's got all the stairs in the background. You have to hit up to go up the stairs and stuff. Right off the gate, that's what it felt like. You're going up those stairs. It feels like more, maybe a little little shrunk down and a little bit more, um, I don't know how you say, like 2D-ish, different kind of art style a little bit.
3: Yeah, but also in addition to that, like you don't have any projectile weapons in yeah, axiom yeah, 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 yeah Verge 2. sorry to sorry to spoil things but you do gain a boom, boomerang which you can throw but of course yeah. that comes back to you but you don't have any like guns or munitions or anything of that sort and oh, like so sympathy
2: of the night like sympathy of the night it's got a little bit of uh, RPG elements to upgrade your character and stuff
3: yeah so, so. to kind of catch uh Chad and Adam up to board uh so I beat axiom verge 2. Uh, shortly after the beat oh, Verge 1. And so the game follows... Uh, I'm just paraphrasing from Wikipedia here. Please don't blame me. Uh, Indra <laughs> Harry, a billionaire who receives a mysterious message telling her to go to Antarctica if she wishes to see her missing daughter again. And... Basically what happens is she heads Antarctica, uh, goes into a portal, ends up in an alternate dimension that's uh, shaped like a torus, which is like the the donut shape, not like the bowl. Uh, And as Brian alluded to, you no longer have any firearms. Now you all most exclusively have melee weapons. Uh, And instead of the glitch gun, uh, you now can hack things. And so you can start off real early on being able to, for example, hack doors uh, to open them. You can hack enemies to make them a little bit slower but if you allocate skill points uh into your hacking abilities you can do more advanced techniques like for example you can make an enemy your ally you can make an enemy emit health things sort of of that nature um on top of that and i hope you don't mind me brian kind of spoiling some of the things that you have yet to experience no you're um, but there is a a link to the PASC-esque mechanic in this game where you can travel to an alternate dimension, an alternate map that is like overlaid on top of the main map of the game uh, that takes place entirely within the Breach, which is like something that was introduced in the first game. And later on in the game, once you obtain a number of power-ups, a lot of the exploration comes down to you basically figuring out how do I travel back and forth between the overworld and the Breach to kind of progress ahead. And I'll say this right here, right now, I think that Axiom Verge 2, while in many ways a very different sequel from the original Axiom Verge, is, I would say, a better game. I think the platforming is just that much more satisfying. I feel like the game does like a much better job of getting you into the flow state walking around. I won't spoil all the like platforming upgrades that the game throws your way, but they they introduce some uh, relatively early on in the game that I found like very satisfying to execute once you kind of are able to wrap your head around it. Um, visually, uh, the game looks real good as well. Unlike the first game, which went for more of like a HR Geiger-esque, like Metroid 1 visual style, this one goes for maybe like a slightly more generic. I guess Castlevania is kind of a good point of comparison, um, but they do have some interesting stylings here and there. The kind of like ancient culture that you're exploring is like heavily based on Mesopotamian culture. And so there's some cool visual stuff there involving that. Uh, the music is uh, incredibly satisfying. Um and overall, like, I just felt like the game did a much better job of on a minute to minute basis, like signposting where it is that I needed to go next, uh, motivating me to kind of like find secrets and discover more hidden locations compared to the first game. I felt like there was much less of that whole kind of like shtick of like, all right, got to go into this corner and use the yeah. drill on this wall, you <laughs> use the gun on that wall, try and see if I can just, uh, scry my way into a new secret. Um, in terms of what I disliked about Axiom Verge, however, it's where things get a little bit complicated. So, Axiom Verge does something... In, first sorry? One.
2: First or second?
3: Uh, Axiom Verge 2. Okay. Uh, so, the, the game does something interesting with its bosses where it basically makes all of its bosses both pretty easy and entirely skippable. Um, a lot of the bosses are... You can, you can basically just take care of them by shooting them a lot until they're dead. There's not really a lot of strategy involved, uh, but you can basically just entirely skip them altogether. Um, Thomas Happ, uh, he said in an interview with Retro RGB, which I watched ahead of this podcast, that he like intentionally wanted to make Maxing Verge 2 more exploration-based, uh, and I also do think that he is, like, trying to be mindful of, like, you know, accessibility and trying to make a more inclusive game that more people can play, uh, and I do respect that, but the end result, it, it just kind of feels like a first pass at, like, a better version of what he's kind of trying to go for and i'm kind of annoyed about the fact that like i can't adjust the kind of difficulty of those encounters it would have been interesting if he had maybe gone more the route of like a celeste or a shadow of the tomb raider examples of games where like you can really customize the various parts of the experience and choose like how easy or how difficult you want the bosses to be or the exploration to be or the da 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 um and the other big thing is I think the story and dialogue uh in Axiom Verge 2 is even worse than the in the original <laughs> Axiom Verge. Yikes. Um so it, it's tough cuz like the, the basic premise of the game you're playing is this, you know, billionaire like mogul who travels to Antarctica to rescue their daughter. They establish early on in the game that this is like not that great of a person. You can find like a little like newspaper newspaper clipping thing that basically establishes that this is a ruthless businesswoman that like is willing to like lay off thousands of people so that she can keep her business afloat and it's like ah, this would be like a really cool game about an elon musk like figure like traveling on a journey to rescue the one person they love and in doing so like walking away a better better person but like the game really doesn't do a lot with that like potential premise Uh, the whole thing about her searching for a long-lost daughter it ultimately ends up feeling a lot like an afterthought and the game doesn't devote a lot of attention to the relationship between the two characters my biggest pet peeve with this game story though is so like the best way i can describe it is if you took all the dialogue in this game and you transcribed it to a word document and you removed the names of whoever is speaking at any given moment you would have no way of knowing who's speaking like everybody mm. in the game speaks in a weirdly like flatly uniform fashion that makes it kind of impossible to discern who is who. And yeah. by the end, I just got to a point where I'm like, man, like Thomas Happ, you're like an, in, an incredibly accomplished developer. Like you make incredible games with, you know, fantastic music and fantastic graphics. But I feel like it wouldn't hurt you to get a second opinion on the quality of your writing. Cause I feel like you're really kind of dropping the ball in this regard. Everybody
2: go purchase Axiom Verge 1 and 2 to support this Hap guy so that he can hire a writer next time. <laughs>
0: Please. I'm reading the the Wikipedia about Axiom Verge 2, and he says that he had seven different ideas about sequels to Axiom Verge, but he picked this one because it was the one whose story excited him the most. And if Alex didn't like this one, imagine the other six stories he came up with. <laughs>
3: That's really funny <laughs> to think about, but I do want to stress that like the the gameplay, the visuals and the music of this game like more than make up for where I feel like the game fails. Like I think that overall it's a better game than the original Axiom version. I would say is definitely well worth playing if you're a fan of the genre, keeping in mind that there are these pain points here and there.
2: That's rad. I'm I'm happy to hear that cuz I I feel like I can continue playing this game without <laughs> getting absolutely disappointed <laughs> halfway through. Yeah.
0: And you can know that you don't have to care about anything that's going on in the story. Like, you can just have fun playing the game. Yeah. Adam, you've been kind of quiet. Any any last thoughts on Axiom Verge 1 or Alex's rendition of Axiom Verge 2, the stage play?
1: <laughs> no. Um, I got some notes on the stage play. No, I've actually just been reading story breakdowns and theories about the story on across one and two because there's pretty interesting stuff in here all this stuff is interesting not in not shown in the game very well i will say that but outside of the story you know game's fun like it it's trying to be like a metroid game and i think it accomplishes it it tries to also do this cool thing with the story i don't think he did a super great job at it but what other people are putting together is pretty cool so that's what happened to me
2: That's what happened to me with Hollow Knight. I I watched a big long lore video of things fans had pieced together, and I was like, this is awesome. Wish I'd gotten this during the game.
1: (laughs) I wish they had told me this myself. Yeah, exactly. Um, Mm. But no, the game's great. I mean, if you know if you like Metroid-style games, and if you do, you should check it out.
2: Actually, that's a good point. That's going to be my summary to my whatever you would call it, my little blurb review. If you like Metroid, this is one of the best... Metroid-like games that I've come across so far. In terms of atmosphere, loneliness, artwork, uh, weapons, gameplay, etc., etc., etc.
3: Alex, what's your blurb? Uh, I I think that Axiom Verge, I'm maybe a little bit cooler on it than the rest of you, but I do think it is still an incredibly fascinating game that I feel like It pays tribute to the kind of like NES era of platformers with like a real reverence for not just how those games looked and played, but again, how people actually played them, what the kind of culture was surrounding them. And I feel like that's really valuable. And I feel like that's worth experiencing, even if you're not necessarily a huge fan of Metroidvanias, but especially if you are a huge fan of Metroidvanias.
0: My blurb is going to be if you are sick of playing Super Metroid over and over again and you just want to play another one in that same vein, yeah, play this. But if you're looking for other Metroidvania games, I think there are other things more worth your time like Hollow Knight, like Guacamelee and Guacamelee 2. I think those are uh, better games, uh, even though this is like a cool universe, cool art style, that kind of stuff. I feel like there are other things if your time is limited that you should be exploring otherwise. But yeah, if you were just going to go back and play Super Metroid again, play this instead. Adam, thanks for coming and being on the show.
1: Well, thank and, you very much. And
0: doing the regular thing we do. Alex, mm-hmm. also thanks. thank you to you for coming and being on the show and standing up
3: for yourself <laughs> at the bottom of these stairs. <laughs> thank you. Flipped. Uh, thank- I made a stand and I think, it's, I think it's finally working.
2: Thanks for playing a whole barf game, Adam.
3: I
1: actually do it <laughs> most of the time unless the game is really bad. So... Chad's actually the one who never finishes the barf games.
0: What a, what a, it's been, it's a journey, like someone like the original barf game, like Holden used to be the one that never finished. And I finished every single one. And in fact, we had to, we had to have this thing called Holden's lullaby where we made him sing something if he didn't finish the game, which was terrifying to him. And now it kind of flipped with Adam and me and now Adam's not doing it, but I'm kind of, it's, 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 it's a influx.
2: Before we go can we do can we have a quick segment with Brian
1: Um so I'm sure love to from have a Brian segment from Brian <laughs>
2: <laughs> This this one like one sentence segment is going to be I I'd, I'd like us all to go around cuz I've heard you guys talk about Switch 2 a few times in the episodes that I've been listening to And my theory is that there might not be a Switch 2 because Nintendo's fucking weird and I, th- I think they're going to potentially do something out of left field. So, I just want us to go around real quick and just give a bizarre Nintendo-esque idea about what weird fucking thing they're going to do with the next console that makes no sense and will probably flop and it doesn't have to be a real plausible one, just come up with something bizarre. I'll share mine first. I was thinking as a Nintendo, a Nintendo executive examining my demographic, I'm like, what do Japanese p- Nintendo fans do? Like Japanese people, they like to walk, they like to ride the, the trains and the public transit and stuff. What if our next console was like an on-the-go console, kind of like the Switch, but more geared towards exercise, because that's been popular for us. <laughs> so, I was like, okay, you got a device, like a wristband that you could put on your wrist and it swings, or you could put on your leg and it walks back and forth. And depending on how you're wearing it on your body, it's going to affect your gameplay in ar or on screen or whatever their handheld is and so depending on what exercise you want to do it will affect your game style
1: that sounds like a product that they would make and be like it's <laughs> great and then pretend it doesn't exist a year later <laughs>
0: <laughs> yep i just saw a bunch of wii u balance board or Wii balance boards <laughs> in a game shop this week for 19.99 each
2: i love the go. meme that was like gonna steer
3: my submarine with this and it had dk bongos
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> if i can uh take the wheel next uh, i just posted something in our group chat i don't know if you remember this uh but i just posted an image of the infamous fake uh nintendo nx controller as we knew it at the time before it was officially oh, yeah, christian the, the like switch the it's on the, the one that basically looks like a like football shaped screen with like two little analog nubs on the left and right sides i, I think never saw this that it was an elaborate cover-up that this was a fake created by scheming fans on the internet. I think this was actually in production at Nintendo at the time. I think they shelved it when people reacted so poorly to it, and I think that they're going to bring it back for whatever the Switch's successor is going to be. And this will be our Nintendo console for the next decade. It's just got two thumbsticks. There's no buttons.
0: There was even like a video of someone running like Mario Kart on it or something like that and i remember i remember the time the thought we i think we talked about on the podcast too it's like you know they're going to design this full screen thing with just thumbsticks in the middle of it but all the games are going to play in a 16 by 9 rectangle in the middle of it
3: (laughs) we can all i just want to say real quick we can all laugh at this console now but like there was a very brief period of time where i remember everybody looked at this and was like fuck nintendo is crazy enough to actually have this yeah. be a real thing i think we should start worrying
2: you know what this weird device reminds me of my tiny nipples <laughs>
1: <laughs> there they are on the sides i see it i see it
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's, Jen, my, like, idea? here's my wild Here switch two thing that i don't that like i'm not sure it's a joke but I think Nintendo might go to like mini discs again. I think we might see the GameCube mini discs. We might see the UMD because we're already having a problem where they can't like, for instance, the new Batman Arkham trilogy. Only Arkham Asylum comes on the memory card because that's all that fits. Everything else has to be downloaded. And so I think for the physical media, they're going to go to discs again because like, you know, what,
2: I think that. That's a good theory because Nintendo is always behind in the game and everyone else is going to go digital only. And Nintendo's going to (laughs) be like, we still have discs. (laughs) (laughs) Bring in deck the disc.
1: I've got a great idea. This one's wonderful,
2: right? So
1: Nintendo's like, hey, we want to keep a handheld factor because the the kids love it, right? But what does everyone have? Everyone already has a phone. So why don't we design a device that you put a phone inside of? And there's just a button on the outside. It's a brand new idea. We're going to call it the front bone. It's the Nintendo front bone. And you can play Nintendo games on your phone with a Nintendo controller. And you can put your UMD disc on the front and play Mario on your phone with the front that's,
2: bone. That's so stupid. It just might work.
0: <laughs> speaking of speaking of Nintendo and phone, this is, this is getting off topic, but... When's the last time y'all opened the Nintendo Switch online app on your phone and used it to party chat with someone while playing a Switch game?
3: <laughs> Probably <laughs> when it was zero from before the pandemic. Definitely I'd, from before the pandemic. I did a little bit
2: in my very short stint with Animal Crossing. That's zero it. Zero out of
0: ten. Well, thank you for that segment, Brian. That was a wonderful segment from Brian. Brian Bridges. <laughs> uh, Brian, if people want to follow you and learn all about your tiny nipples and maybe see drawings of your tiny nipples <laughs> on Twitter or anywhere else, where can they find you
2: personally at manly Brian on all the platforms, except for Brian underscore bridges on Instagram. Cause for some reason, and uh, at time to die RPG everywhere else, if you want to follow my podcast stuff, dope, Twitter, Alex, Instagram and Twitter, Instagram and uh, time to die, If you want to find all our content,
0: time 2d rpg dbb alex where can folks find you if they want to follow you around the world
3: you can find me over on twitter at alex Kazina, a-l-e-x-k-o-z-i-n-a and i appreciate you saying around the world because by the time that you're listening to this on podcast services i will be uh off on a little vacay over in europe i'll be visiting london uh amsterdam and uh paris france which at this time of the year is a little bit of a weird decision but it was a decision made months ago in advance so we'll we'll see how things play out there uh but i'll be sharing uh plenty of uh pictures and thoughts and impressions from across the pond while i'm there so definitely check that out if you need some european uh vicarious experience vacay uh pictures
2: hey what do you uh what do you take with you for gaming on trips like that good question
3: Here's the thing. I was actually going to make this a long con reveal that I was going to come back from my vacation on and talk about on the podcast. But if you want, no, if don't, you want, I don't. can give you. No, you don't want an exclusive. You've got a PlayStation Project exclusive? Q.
2: <laughs> I don't. I mean, if you got a if you got segment with Alex planned later, I don't want to ruin it for you.
3: I'll keep it a, a super secret segment with Alex for now, but I'll let you know that it's something super cool. I'll put cool, it in the secret that discord class. that
0: I'm not a part of. Uh, <laughs> oh, I will. Adam, what what are you doing? Where do people find out about you and all the shit you're doing? Just hanging out um,
1: on Twitter at Adam Gumby. Misfit Rolls. if you want to see the last episode of that series coming up soon, everybody. It's That's joke. it.
0: Mm. If you want to find out what I'm doing, you can go to Patreon.com/slash/RespawnNameFire, and you can go vote on Barf Games like you just did. And uh, if you're curious about what we're playing in July, there's a, bit, a lot of math and like chalkboard and whiteboard and all sorts of wild things and science went into determining that we are playing Moonlighter in July. Play that. I was surprised to find that I already had it because it was part of the PlayStation Games Collection, and I think it's been, if not still on uh, Game Pass. So like, I'm sure you can find a way to play this game pretty easily. Go play Moonlighter, and we'll talk about it at the end of July or beginning of August. If you want to be part of that discussion, email us your thoughts or DM us your thoughts, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, gmail.com. You know where to find us on Twitter, or reach out and say, "Hey, I want to be on your podcast. Can I come on the podcast with you?" Oh, I'm beautiful butterfly. Butterflies oh, don't I'm pee. Like, yeah. <laughs> they God, only excrete blood.
2: Life. <laughs> Oh God, the moth thing. (laughs) That really is the, uh, the admission form you have to do. Like you have to send in a voice recording and you have to do that voice. It was a grueling process, but fortunately Chad and I both have high voices. We can, we can both kind of get away with it.
0: (laughs) What Brian, Brian would have been on the show much earlier, but he sent me a a recording of him doing that voice, but it was so low because of some bitrate thing. They're like, no, that's a terrible (laughs) Heimlich. All right, everyone. Uh, thanks for playing Axiom Verge. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. We don't do a usual sign-off on here, but if we did do a usual sign-off on here, it'd be my tiny nipples!